Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Thursday morning. As I said in Monday's episode, we're going to start our NBA preview for the 2021-2022 NBA season. This week, we're just going to talk about three of the top teams that we see being able to compete this year for the for the the title this year in the NBA champion or NBA playoffs later on this year, just this whole season. Going to go over that, and we'll kind of expand this over the next two to three weeks. We'll look at three teams this week. Look at three teams next week, and then we'll decide from there if we decide to go for a third week with that, and you'll obviously know once we get to that, that point in time. But just kind of use Thursday. It's kind of middle of the week. <clears throat> you got a kind of a dead period between football on the weekends and kind of just what's going on. And We'll fill you in with some news when we have some some more MLB playoff you know news from after some series are really underway and have some uh, some – advancements in that play in the playoffs for the for baseball we'll get into some of that but uh this like i said just about the next two or three weeks during the thursday episode kind of just a some filler time we're going to just talk over the nba season give you our preview for the year and what you can look forward with that and obviously we'll fill you in with any other news that that comes in for sports and also at the end of the episode like we always do about halfway mark we switch over to just just politics, so we'll have some stuff on the political side, and we got some good stuff to talk about today in that aspect, some stuff that is very important, just like anything we talk about is stuff that can obviously apply to anyone that is important that anyone needs to know, so that's what we're looking at today. Uh, with that said, though, we're going to jump right in. We're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks starting out with our NBA preview, the def- defending NBA champions. They uh, did a real good job last year, obviously, being able to put together a team that was able to compete for a title. And I know a lot of people, they say, looking at this team last year and just what they did, they kind of felt like everything kind of just went over right for them in the playoffs, having injuries to different players and different teams that they played throughout their playoff run last year. And, I mean, obviously that was the case. I mean, that's that's true. They did catch some breaks in that aspect. But at the same time, though, it wasn't like they didn't have a good team. And, I mean, you had the, a two-time NBA MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, I mean, you have Chris Middleton, who's a multi-time All-Star. I mean, you you got good players. You got good guys. So, obviously, they were going to be competitive. But, obviously, it makes it easier when you have the other team not be at full health. So, that was obviously the case last year with a lot of teams. And I think that was partially due to the short NBA offseason going from the bubble the year before. And then we went to a full-blown season, which was only about a two- to three-month layover when usually you have – more time than that. So, anyways, for Milwaukee though, it doesn't matter what anybody says. They're the they're the champions. They go down in the history books as the champions, and that's all they're worried about, and that's all they should be worried about. And now they're turning the page, looking at this season, looking to repeat and defend their title. And for the most part, they've brought everybody back for their team this year. I mean, obviously you you're lining up with Anna Kumpo, Middleton. You got Brooke Lopez, who's still there. 
they uh, have Drew Holiday, who really stood out in the playoffs, did a real good job of just making his presence known. And the, a lot of people just doubted him after that trade if he was really going to be a a big help to the to the Bucks and actually be able to help make a difference in a title run. And obviously, he was able to do that. He's just a really really good two way player. Stepped up real big offensively in moments when Chris Middleton was struggling. And that's exactly what you have players like that for for their when they're for them to be able to step up in moments like that. And so <clears throat> reserves wise guys on the bench that they got they're obviously bringing back like Bobby Portis they got George Hill who's coming back after he was traded in that Drew Holiday deal he decided to come back to Milwaukee so that's a big pickup I think for them to be able to back up Holiday because we all know George Hill is a veteran player he's just real smart when it comes to running the offense and so you don't really have to worry about not having a backup point guard for them they're also bringing in Grayson Allen who's going to be a a decent shooter and also going to be able to play some solid defense that's always good for Milwaukee because that's what they pretty much hang their hat on is their defense and their offense is very sometimes they can come and go but their defense is usually always there and they obviously got pat Connaughton, who's definitely been a uh been a good player for them even over that playoff run last year but for this team i mean like i said they're bringing back most of their talent they're looking to be able to to repeat this year and obviously that's going to be tough you got a stacked east this year you got a lot of i mean you got stacked conferences on both sides obviously but you got brooklyn over in the east eastern conference this year who's Gonna look like they got that three-headed monster with Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. So they look like they're gonna be ready to go. So if you're Milwaukee, I think your biggest stuff you got to look at this year is just being healthy when you get into the playoffs and making sure you're not one of the teams that they played against last year in the playoffs, where you had where you're missing one of your most important players because to be able to compete against Brooklyn and some of these other teams that they're going to have to play they're going to have to be just I mean ready to go right from the jump in the playoffs and they're not going to be able to have any any breaking point at that because I mean that was evident last year I mean they even played they played the Hawks last year who I mean many teams didn't think was even going to get that far and they were very competitive so I mean everyone just in the east is getting better and that's evident just how it was last year in the playoffs, but obviously these teams are bringing everybody back. They're young. A lot of young players really stood out last year. So if you're Milwaukee, your biggest goal, you're a more of a veteran team now. These are some guys that have been around for a couple years, have made a name for themselves, and they just need to be healthy when the season rolls around. But obviously I think looking at Giannis and how the season went for him last year, he's been so consistent. He keeps getting better every year. He won two MVPs and then didn't win it this this past year. Obviously we know big man out of Denver won it, and uh, Jokic, but um, <clears throat> so Giannis obviously is going to be rearing and ready to go trying to win a third MVP. I mean, he keeps saying, you know, you hear him talk how he's still hungry and how he's he's ready to win more championships and how he shouldn't be put up there with the greats, and that's a good mindset for him to have, but at the same time, though, I mean, we obviously know that's not, we're, we're going to put him up there in that category. I mean, he's one of the better players, probably top three in the NBA He's won multiple MVPs. He now has a NBA Finals MVP and a NBA championship. I mean, the guy is he's he's one of the he'll go down in NBA history as one of the better players when it's all said and done. He continues to improve and you know with that type of mindset he's going to be ready to come out and prove his dominance once again and show that he can still dominate the league, can be the MVP and I think a big part for him it would really help if he can develop a jump shot finally because obviously we all know the Giannis wall is what a lot of teams have called it where they just build a wall in the paint and try to keep him out and 
they weren't really successful with it this this past year, and I don't know if that's because his mid-range was better last year, and obviously it was, but still kind of close to the paint where he was shooting at. But if he could really just develop a three-point shot and be able to give Milwaukee more spacing on the outside, I mean, it would definitely it would benefit him, but it would benefit Milwaukee as a whole because sometimes you're, I mean, you have Brooke Lopez out there who's able to space the floor, but once you have him spaced out, you have Giannis trying to post up or trying to attack, you know, from inside out. And that spacing with Brooke Lopez helps, but sometimes, like I said, Giannis is out there. Instead of being able to spread out all the way across the floor and keep guys out of the paint, they're able just to stack some guys in there whenever they had either a post player like Bobby Portis in or if Brooke Lopez is in the paint, they were just able to compact it and stay off of him. So if if he can shoot, it really gives them more spacing, gives them better opportunities to be able able to attack the basket and just be able to space the floor completely and I think if that happens you're not only looking at Milwaukee as a really really good defensive team I think you really got to put them in the aspect at that point that they are a really really good offensive team because that's just the missing piece that they're missing I mean the only thing that they're missing I really think is if he can just develop that shot so if he does that I mean you can look out the MVP will probably be his and I mean if he just develops that he's going to be the best player in the world that's just that's just my opinion on just seeing how his game has developed over the past couple of years and that's no shot at anybody else like Kevin Durant or LeBron but I mean they're both getting older they're not they're on the outsides I think of their prime or Kevin Durant might still be right on the edge of it LeBron is probably just walking out of his prime so I mean you got you got players that have been really good it's no shot at them but they're just getting older and so it's just it's time for Giannis if he can take that step he can really put a put a nail in the coffin of of who's the best player in the league I really think this year so I really look for him to be able to take that next step and Milwaukee I think they'll be a really good team this year I think they'll make it to the conference finals my only question is is just if they're healthy for one when it gets to that point in time and if if they can really develop that outside shot for Giannis and be able to have that spacing I think they could really compete against Brooklyn this year but overall I think Brooklyn's going to be the one that a lot of people are going to have favored and there shouldn't be any doubt about that. I don't think they should. They should obviously be favored when it comes to the East. They got Kevin Kevin Durant. They got Kyrie Irving. They got James Harden. So that's who we're talking about now with the Brooklyn Nets and their their 2021-2022 season preview. So you got all three of those guys, the big three that they got there. And then also they got Blake Griffin, who's returning. And you also got uh, Joe Harris, who a really good shooter for them. So that's their starting five and how it looks like they're going to line up this year. And off the bench, you got Patty Mills, Bruce Brown, Paul Millsap, Nick Claxton, LaMarcus Aldridge. So, I mean, you got good players on the starting lineup. you got good players coming off the bench. So, I mean, they're stacked all the way around. They're deep in the bench. They're also deep starting five. So, I mean, you're looking at them. Kevin Durant is what a lot of people are saying is the best player in the world right now. And like I said, that could be very, that could very well be the case if, like I said, if Giannis doesn't have that jump shot. But Kevin Durant looked like it last year in the playoffs, looked like he could be the best player in the world. And that's why I was saying last postseason, I said it was either going to come down to LeBron or Durant, and it was either going to be decided this season or it was going to be decided based off of if Kevin Durant really won that championship and they came up short. And so this year, I think it's, like I said, this has got going to go, I think, one or two ways. I think you see Giannis really develop that shot, and he's able to go out there and prove that he's the best player in the league. Or if that doesn't happen, I really think Kevin Durant can really just say, all right, LeBron, I know, you're, I know you've been the best player over the last couple of years, but, it, you know, it's time. And that's no shot at LeBron. I think LeBron will be great this year, and I'll get into the Lakers next, but... 
uh, he's, I mean, he's 36, going to be 37. I mean, the guy's getting old, and you can't stay in your prime forever. And Kevin Durant's right here at around 33 years old. I mean, he's still... Like I said, right, I'd say probably the end part of his prime. I mean, he's seven foot tall, can dribble like a guard, handle the ball well, can cross you up, get to the basket, finish with through contact. He's got a great outside shot. He can shoot anywhere on the floor. I mean, you, it's just you can't defend him. He's probably one of the better offensive players in NBA history, and I mean, easily could get thirty, forty on you any night. So that that's what you're looking at with Kevin Durant this year. So I, I really feel like the NBA MVP battle is definitely going to come down between Durant or. Uh, Giannis, so look out for that matchup, especially when those games roll around during the regular season. They're definitely going to be really good. But uh, This year, though, I, one of the questions I also have for this team, though, we saw it last year in the playoffs on why they fell short during the playoffs against the Bucks. Ultimately, it just came down to, like I said with Milwaukee, how they need to be fresh this year and they need to stay healthy. It was the same thing. that That's what it came down to for Brooklyn, Brooklyn last year, and that's what it's going to also come down to them this year because during the playoffs you had – it was just Durant, Irving was hurt, and Harden was hurt. And Harden came back, I think, the last two games, three games of that series, but you could obviously tell he was nothing even close to what his normal self is. And – so, I mean, you lack that you lack that offensive ability that he carries. He's obviously not a great defender. I mean, he's been better than what he has been, but he's still not the greatest defender in the world. And Durant was trying to carry him, and he almost was able to, but just came up short there in the end. But uh, if he, if James Harden's really got to stay healthy, he's dealt with some he's dealt with some injuries over here recently. But he's got to be able to stay healthy for them. And the reason why I think it's the how Brooklyn's season whole season goes. Obviously, we know what Kevin Durant's getting going to give them. I think it ultimately comes down to James Harden for two reasons. One, because we saw how they their offensive efficiency dropped without him. Because James Harden isn't just a scorer. I know a lot of people like to say, oh, he just likes to flop and he likes to shoot and all that. He does like to do those things. But at the same time, though, he is one of the better distributors in the game. He can create for other people and I really felt like Brooklyn missed that in the playoffs last year and it became like a just a one-on-one matchup between whoever whoever was guarding Durant and Durant himself so and so that's one of the reasons he's also a really good distributor but two also that here's the problem right now for Brooklyn that they're looking at and you're looking at Kyrie Irving who hasn't even reported to the tra- hasn't reported to training camp. He wasn't at media day. He hasn't been practicing with the team and that's all due to his vaccination status and how he's decided to not be vaccinated this year. And I'm not going to get into the political side of it other than that's his choice. That's great for him if that's what he decides and that he should have that choice. But at the same time though, you're talking in terms of the team, obviously if you're missing Kyrie Irving, you do not have your point guard, you and you lose out on a lot of offensive efficiency and a lot of points scored from that position. Obviously, we all know Kyrie's definitely one of the better offensive players in the game as well. Can handle the ball, probably the best handles in the league, a good shooter, and so you're missing all that when you don't have him. And like I said, if you're Brooklyn, that's just your reality if he decides not to. And if he decides not to, and like I said, in my opinion, that's completely fine. That's his decision, his body, his choice, that's how it should be. But like I said, if you're Brooklyn, you're missing out on that. So at that point, I think you really have to slide James Harden over to the point guard spot. And obviously, he can still score out of that and be able to shoot and drive and do it all he does. But 
it also allows him to be able to distribute the ball. So I think that's why Harden is really going to be the X factor for them this year. If he's healthy and he's ready to go and ready to compete this year and looking in top shape, they'll be completely fine. If he struggles to stay stay healthy and he just cannot get get a groove going all season, they'll walk into the playoffs struggling kind of similar to how their season was a little bit last year, and then they'll kind of catch it a little bit. But then once they really hit a good team, they'll really struggle just like they did against Milwaukee. So Kevin Durant is not going to be able to carry the show. But another big, uh, another big player for them this year that I thought was a great pickup for them last year and was just so was surprising to see just how he really his game was just rejuvenated last year was Blake Griffin. Just he was able to hit outside shots. He was able to play decent defense. And until the playoffs, he kind of struggled somewhat in the playoffs. But obviously, his game just kind of came back offensively. Was able to play. Was able to help, go down on the on the block a good bit to help out. And uh, so, I mean, that was good to see from him last year. So that definitely is big for them. Um, but another big pick, another big pickup for them, and a guy for that I think is big for their season as well as Patty Mills. Um, they had him last year, but for them. That's big, like I said, with the Kyrie Irving situation as well. And they get LaMarcus Aldridge, who is coming out of retirement after he had the the heart problem that we saw last year. But he just has got the problem worked out and is coming back. That obviously gives them a good mid-range player, someone who can post up another scoring option off the bench. So, I mean, they're deep all the way around. And the only thing looking at their lineup that I see that I would be worried about if I was them, they have no really true big man. I mean, Looking at this list, your biggest players are, I mean, you got Nick Claxton, but, I mean, he's not like a player you're just going to leave out there and expect to get you a double-double type deal. I mean, he can occasionally. He's not going to do that consistently, though. And you, outside of him, you got really no true big man. So, sitting there looking at that, they lost DeAndre Jordan. They decided to let him go. And, obviously, he's with the Lakers now. So, you have no true big man, and sometimes that can really hurt you in the playoffs. So, I mean, who do you go to at that spot later on when it gets into, you know, you get matched up with a big guy where you're, if you're playing a team like, say, L.A. in the champion, you know, the NBA Finals, or you're playing, uh, if you're playing Milwaukee and you have to match up against the center like Brooke Lopez, or you're playing Atlanta and you have to match up against a Clint Capella, you you could be in some trouble when it comes to that. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they pick up someone along the way and they're able to actually get a true big man that'll help them out down the line. So be looking for that. But for overall this season, even as long like I said, as long as James Harden stays healthy, we know what Kevin Durant's gonna do. Just if Kyrie Irvin's there, they're obviously going to dominate if he's in and out based off of vaccination status or if they just decide to trade him based off of that, then I think if James Harden's healthy, he's the X factor, and he can still obviously Brooklyn can still compete. But if Kyrie Irving's there, whole season type deal, you're looking at a very strong team that is obviously probably the favorite to win the NBA championship, and rightfully so. And they'll obviously be great. But they, like I said, if that works out for them, they got all three of those guys. Like I said, the only question for them is if they can get a true big man that's going to help them out later on. Uh, so outside of that, I expect them to have a great season. I think they'll they'll do well. They'll go have a deep playoff run. Obviously, top three contender for the NBA title this year. And going down the list, probably the third top contender this year that a lot of people are looking at, and including myself, is the Los Angeles Lakers, who are now sporting a big three of Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, and this is going to be interesting and fun to watch just due to so many different reasons. 
Obviously, you got LeBron, who's been the you know multi-time best player in the league, won multiple MVPs, multiple championships. They won the championship two years ago. So you got guys that are looking are hungry after coming off of a, a season that didn't go well for them. They had plenty of injuries. Davis was in and out all year. LeBron was even hurt for a, a good bit of last year, and they're all just looking to finally, you know, they keep hearing these people say they're old. They're not going to be able to to hang hang with the younger guys, the younger crowd, and they're hearing all this noise. And the thing is, I don't understand is what people. I don't think what people get is even though these guys are older, these guys are multi-time all-stars. These guys are really good basketball players, high IQ basketball players who have shown that they can still play a good brand of defense. I mean, they were still playing good defense last year. And it's just going to be a matter for them if that new big three can gel, if Russell Westbrook can really be able to be a really, really good team player and be able to really fit that mold with Davis and with LeBron. So their projective starting five that we're looking at now is Russell Westbrook. They got Talon Horton Tucker. They got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard. That's what they're possibly looking at for the starting five. But at the same time, though, we've been hearing rumors and from Anthony Davis himself saying that he's looking at possibly playing the five a lot more this year. And that looked kind of evident just how he showed up to training camp and our media day. And he was just, I mean, you could tell he had put on some muscle mass finally, which is good to see because he's been so thin and lanky. And I think that's been a, been a, a part of his injuries concerns that he's had over the years, just not being able to deal with all that, that physicality that he's been dealing with down in the block. Cause that's where, I mean, he's been going. He's popped up and shot some threes, but for them, the, uh, since he's been in LA, he's been primarily heavily on the block for them. And they've been looking to run their offense through him. So when you're the main guy and you're constantly taking that beating every single night, trying to get, you know, 20, 25 points a game, that, that's a lot of, that's a lot of physicality that, that you have to deal with. So I'll be interested to see if they slide Davis to the five or if they keep him there at the four and play Dwight Howard as a starter. But, uh, they got, you know, we just, we know they got DeAndre Jordan this year. So, it, you know, that he might be able to slide in there at the five. Well, we don't know yet. Obviously, this is just, this is just speculation, obviously, but on the bench, they picked up Carmelo Anthony this offseason. That'll give them some instant offense, even though he's obviously older as well and has not old, you know, prime Melo. He's still been able to show when he was in Portland that he can be able to score, continually hit that mid-range shot that he's become so good at. So looking for him to have a good season. They picked up Trevor Ariza, but apparently he's dealing with with some injuries now and is possibly having surgery, so we'll see how that works out with him. They picked up Malik Monk, which was a big pickup I thought for, the, for thought was good for them, and uh, he should be able to be a good player for them coming off the bench. Another one is Kendrick Nunn, Nunn who came from Miami, and uh, he's been done a real good job down there being able to show that he could be an offensive player and be able to score some points off the off the bench, so that'll be big for them. So the bench looks a little bit better this year than it does last year. You got a good starting five. Obviously, you got a big three now there in L.A. So a lot of people are wondering how you know how is this going to work? How does Westbrook factor in with them? I, I think it's just like LeBron said, they'll figure it out. He's really figured it out wherever he's been, whether that's been Miami, Cleveland, and now L.A. He's really been able to figure out how he fits best with other people. And so LeBron will obviously take the backseat if that's what's necessary. And he'll he'll let Westbrook handle the basketball. He'll run point. And I think that's good for them because that obviously gives LeBron the opportunity to slide down to the post sometimes and be able to play down there where he's become actually good at. 
and been able to dominate on the block sometimes. So that'll be good to see LeBron not having to take all the playmaking responsibility. And obviously we still know LeBron will do that because he's LeBron. He's done that his whole entire career, being able to facilitate and create for his team. So that'll be good to take some of that pressure off of him. But they keep saying it, and it's the truth. Davis is the one of the younger players on this team. This is a older team. And for them, if they can – I mean, they just go as Anthony Davis goes. If Anthony Davis can stay healthy – and can be ready to go, playoffs fresh, healthy, they should be able to compete and get, I would say, probably be the favorites to get to the finals out of the West. Now, the question is if he can get there, obviously they're going to have to have some help. They're going to have to rest some guys at some some point in time. So I know I keep going back to health for all three of these teams, but that's really what it comes down to when you got guys like this. You know these guys can all compete for a championship, but if one's out, you're obviously putting yourself at a disadvantage already. And we saw that last postseason where we had so many different injuries due to the shortened season the year before. I mean, the shortened off season during that time frame. So for this team, though, like I said, it's just gelling, seeing how Russell Westbrook fits in. And they've talked about really how he's going to be able to try to push Davis on the block and be able to really get the best out of him. And I think that's good to hear. That shows that Westbrook's really in tune to being part of this team and really commanding this team and not trying to force the situation as we've seen him try to do at OKC or we've seen him do at uh, Houston when he was with James Harden. And just seeing how he's been over, you know, even at Washington last year where he's just forced to issue sometimes. And a lot of those teams weren't the best, obviously. He's playing with good, really good players now, and he doesn't have to do that. And I think he realizes that. And as long as he realizes that and they stay on that track, they'll be fine. I think he'll be able to gel at some point. I just hope his outside shot is better because that really hurts the Lakers with spacing if he's not being able to knock down an outside shot. So hopefully that's improved this offseason. If not, he just needs to be real selective with the shots because sometimes he he likes to just throw up some threes that don't make any sense sometimes. So spacing is going to be important for them, so he just needs to be smart with the ball. If he's not going to, you know, not hitting shots, he just needs to keep it moving. So other than that, though, the Lakers, I know people keep saying their their age. I don't think that matters. I think you really got guys that are old old enough that are have high IQs that have played in the league long enough, know what to expect, know what to do, know how to handle themselves, know how to take care of their body, all that type of stuff. And I think they'll be completely fine. I think they'll they'll rest periodically throughout the throughout the season. I don't think they'll be like top seed in the West. I mean, I could be proven wrong, obviously, but I think they'll probably go in at three or four, something around that that range. And as long as they're healthy, I think they feel like they can beat anybody, and I really think they can beat anybody as long as they are healthy. And going back, talking about LeBron real quick, I know I was saying how these other two players and Giannis and Durant are gonna are going to really be battling for the top spot and the top, you know, for the MVP this year. And I really think that's the case. But for LeBron, I'm not counting him out completely. I'm just saying that because. Like I said, LeBron's going he's going 36 to 37 now. He's up there in age and we saw last year where he kind of had a little bit of it looked like a little bit of a drop off and that obviously can be somewhat due to injury, but it's going to be real interesting to see if he still got that edge to him like he says he does. And if he does, obviously, I mean, he can stake the claim that he's still the best player in the league if he can go and lead LA to another championship. 
But if he comes up short and he just shows that he's just not typical LeBron who can carry a team when it's needed, obviously we know at that point that this is the the latter half of I mean latter bot we already know this is the latter bottom part of his career, but we really know that we're getting to the point where this isn't LeBron that you can just throw on any team and expect to be able to win a championship. So that's something I'm really interested to see from this team's point of view this year, how LeBron steps up and how he plays this year compared to last year. So obviously these are three teams that that's probably the three top teams that we're looking at to be able to compete for a championship this year. All got good opportunities, all got good players, all are deep, all can play different brands of defense, good defense. All three teams look like they're going to be able to score the ball, so it's going to be real interesting to see. Now next week, like I said, we get to the sports topics for the least, at least the next this week and next week, possibly even the week after that on Thursday, we're going to look at the NBA preview and kind of just break down some of this stuff while we're still in the NBA preseason before we really tip off the regular season. But uh, like I said, next week won't be three teams, you know, the top three teams. It'll be a, probably I'd say that second tier of teams that – could possibly shock teams and maybe could possibly pick up a team, I mean, pick up a player along the way that could really put them over the top like we've seen happen over the last couple of seasons uh, during the middle of the year. So that's what you can look forward to the sports section next week. But for now, we're moving over to politics. I'm going to talk about what's going on with that. And boy, do we have some stuff to talk about here. Got some, the, uh, I'm sure as a lot of people have heard, we've had this Facebook whistleblower come out and, uh, listening to what she's had to say. I mean, it wasn't even a, but a couple of days ago. I mean, th- this is what's all crazy. Let's just break it down real quick. One day, we have a Facebook whistleblower who comes out and says she has information. She shows up at, in an interview with 60 Minutes, does it on CBS. We hear it. She breaks down what Facebook's doing, how they're shady, how their stuff is is harming children, how their content is messing people up, like disinformation. I mean, you, you name it. They t- She talked about it. And then instantly... She joins Facebook randomly. I mean, you mean not Facebook. She joins Twitter randomly. You can even go to her Twitter page, and it shows where she joined just this month. She's already verified on Twitter, and then all of a sudden she shows up for a congressional session where they're asking her questions and they're grilling her. Or she's basically being able to testify on Facebook, you know, about Facebook and what she saw and what she knows, and just goes down the list on you know what was wrong with this and what what the government should do in response to this and ultimately it just came down to saying that they just need oversight that there needs to be something that controls these companies that that like big tech companies like Facebook like Twitter like Instagram these type of social media platforms that have impact on, and they, they obviously, she tried to go the route of they're harming, harming young people, there's disinformation, and that there needs to be this committee that really, or oversight from the government or from a committee that really just needs to monitor these platforms and what they're putting out and what they're doing and stop it. So, if you're obviously a conservative, if you know about these big tech platforms, we don't like them, obviously, because they're known for censorship of conservative ideas, they're obviously shady in their dealings they donate to liberal platforms they they will cover for whoever the liberals are in power we saw how they covered for biden last year in the campaign we saw all of this and so obviously you don't like it and i know some conservatives when they saw this and she comes out talking all bad about facebook some conservatives were like oh yeah this is so good this is great for you know grill facebook maybe they'll get rid of section 230 and they're you know or they'll change it type deal 
that's not what this is about at all. I'm just going to let you know that now. you you got to be very careful and be able to read between the lines. And I'm just going to tell you straight up what this is. This is another Democrat ploy to be able to have more censorship, sh- more censorship when it comes to online stuff like this. They would be completely fine if they had full control of the internet and were able to completely censor any conservative viewpoints, any conservative ideas, and that's exactly what this is. This woman, who is the whistleblower, she comes in, and we already have information on her. She's already has donated to a bunch of liberal platforms, liberal groups. She's donated to AOC's campaign. She's obviously a liberal. She, I mean, she has ties to different different uh, groups, lawyers, stuff like that. All ties that are from Democrat are in relations with Democrats. And so, like I said, she goes from randomly just showing up on a sixty minutes interview. That was obviously planned, and then she automatically gets verified on Twitter, has a Twitter account, and then verified within just a couple of days. And then she shows up at this congressional hearing. She, you know, testifies against Facebook and all that. And then all of a sudden, they're calling for oversight and how the Democrats are on board for this randomly. All of a sudden, and we've heard from the very beginning how the Biden administration. We've heard from Jen Psaki how they say that they or been working with big tech tech platforms like Facebook to combat misinformation and push more information out there and uh, gave them a list of people in groups on how they felt that they were pushing disinformation and that could harm people and kill people, you know, by their by their information they were putting out. And you see this continual cycle, and if you really break it down and you look through the lines, you can see this is nothing more than just a ploy to be able to have more control over the internet and platforms like this where they can basically just completely censor any conservative viewpoints on the platforms. And you saw that from, I mean, this this is the thing. A lot of people thought Facebook would be upset about this. They'd be mad about this stuff. They were, you know, obviously it hurts their, their look a little bit, but at the same time though, they turn around and they have one of their relations coordinators come out with a statement and they say that the internet hasn't had, change of rules in the last 25 years and that there there needs to be a new current standard of rules that all companies follow. Basically what they mean is they want an oversight committee that comes in there, lays out a new set of rules, and then, then they enforce it. And that's exactly what happens because they would put in these new rules how you can't have disinformation. And at that point, what is disinformation? It's just whatever they feel is wrong or what goes against their viewpoint. And that's basically what all... all Ready, these companies are doing somewhat like Twitter and Facebook, where they're censoring Republicans that have been on the platform. You see how they've removed Trump from all the platforms already, just because he really fought back against them and their platforms. And this is what they want to do on a larger scale. They want to be able to have a reason and a way to do it without getting backlash and being threatened by obviously government officials like Republicans from you know coming after them for that. Because there's obviously laws against this type of stuff. But you know, because you can't be a you can't be a certain type of platform or something like that, or you lose your Section Two Thirty provisions. And so, obviously, they're they're aware of that type of stuff, and they're trying to you know ride that line. I would say that bleed that line. I guess you'd say where they're trying to be able to censor these people, but also be able to fall under that set, that Two Thirty provisions, so they don't have to you know deal with the the consequences of not being under that. So. There's nothing more than this. There's nothing more to this than that's exactly what this is. It's just a censorship ploy. They want to continue to move more in, and it's just exactly what the Democrats have done with anything. They're all about silencing opinions that are different to theirs. They're, I mean, they just want to combat any disinform or, like I said, quote unquote, disinformation 
that just doesn't line up with their viewpoint. They say stuff like how, you know, saying that the vaccines are not are not superior to natural immunity. They call that disinformation, and it's not. It's been proven fact at this point. You're seeing it censored across. You're seeing it censored across all these social media platforms. It's hard to find if you Google it. I mean, all this is is just a coordination with it, and it just gives them, like I said, the government, what they'll end up doing, I guarantee you, if something like this was to pass, it's not going to because they won't have the votes to do it, obviously, because of the filibuster and stuff like that. What will end up happening is, if they did this, you would have an oversight committee that would come in, put in a new place of rules for disinformation and stuff like that. They would start banning you know, conservative viewpoints all across the board, and you would be censored completely, and... At that point, they've already squashed all of their problems, basically, at that point. And you have continual party rule of the Democrats because no one knows anything different. And what it'll be is they'll say this is a this is a partisan or this is a non-political board of people of that we're putting out here for this for this oversight committee. And what it ended up being, it'll just be people that are Democrats or who, whatever people that they just want on this board. And obviously, they'll put out their type of agenda into the into the rules. The end, they'll put them in place, and then obviously they'll be in practice at that point. And there's nothing you can do to change it at that point. And that's just what they continue to do. They continue to move the line, continue to move the goalposts, and be able to try and, and have stuff their way and have no opposition to them. And then talking about that, I mean, you could look at this. This is my next story. I'm going to go right into it. It kind of plays right into it. You look at the DOJ now, who has now said that they're opening an an investigation into parents that are protesting school boards that are allowing teachings of critical race theory and are putting in, I would say, overreaching COVID-19 measures like masking kids and vaccine mandates like you're seeing in L.A. County. And you're, you know, that that type of stuff. So you're having parents that are upset about this. They're going and protesting the, against these school boards, against these type of these mandates that are happening and the critical race theory that's being taught in school. And then now what they're saying is uh, they are going to investigate it. And they're saying it's because of that they're getting violent threats from these parents. Well, I think they they did a, a total of how many violent threats they've actually gotten over this span. It was only like three or four. And now you're sitting here with three or four, but they're opening a whole investigation and not the FBI's involved. And when you're dealing with threats like this, obviously any threat of violence is wrong. You shouldn't have people threatening these type of people. What it really is, it's a scare tactic. What they're trying to do is they're trying to scare these parents into not protesting these school boards and allowing critical race theory to be taught in school and allowing these COVID-19 measures to continue to be forced in schools where that way they don't have to worry about it. And if you do try to do it, oh, they'll just label you what was in the, the paper from the national school board to the de- depart, uh, department of justice was labeling them saying that this was basically an act of domestic terrorism and what they were doing. So now you're labeling parents as domestic terrorists. And obviously if they go that route, they'll get the same punishment as domestic terrorists for this type of stuff. And it's at that point you have parents that aren't going to be, are obviously going to be scared of those type of consequences that they'll get for simply just protesting the school board and what they're trying to indoctrinate their children with. And like I said, it's just, you know, trying to control their opposition, the Democrats, they're trying to control their opposition, be able to silence them, any dissent that they have within the country. And you're just seeing that all across the board, whatever they do, they don't, it's, this isn't about 
this isn't about helping people with COVID. This isn't about teaching people about America's history. This is completely about control and silencing the voices that are against them. And the less voices that they have against them, the more power that they'll continue to have. So, I mean, it's just like I tell, say on here all the time, and I say it all the time because it's the truest thing. We have to continue to fight back against this type of stuff. They are going to come harder and harder and harder the closer we get to midterms next year in 2022. And if we get more scared and we drop off and we continue to let them just push whatever they want, we're going to be in a world of hurt by time 2022 even arrives. And at that point, if they continue to push what they want, it won't even matter what even happens in 2022 because all this stuff will already be in effect. And nothing's even going to get changed, though, because we still have Biden at least for another two years after that. So we got to continue to push back against this type of stuff that's happening because it's not just the future of yourself. It's also the future of your kids. And that's why stuff like continuing, continuing to push back against these school boards is so important. And like I said, even if those consequences come... That's just got to be something that we are willing to accept and continue to push back against because your freedom is not something that you're you're going to have to sacrifice for your freedom. I mean, that's just how it's always been. And if you want it as bad as you should for to be able to have your kids grow up in a free country and continue to live in a free country later on down the line, there may be consequences with that. But if it can make a difference, then that's the most important thing ever. And... Like I said, we just got to continue to find ways where we can continue to to put them in a corner and basically continue to shine the light on what they're doing. And we're seeing more and more people realize what is going on, and that's evident because, I mean, we have a new poll that even CNN was showing that shows Biden as at a approval rate of 38% now, which is the lowest of his, his whole entire time in office. It continues to just drop like crazy just continues to i mean just drop so fast i mean just a couple of weeks ago we were at 42 43 percent now here we are at 38 percent already and it's not getting better anytime soon with what they're trying to push the mandates they're putting in place and just all the different type of stuff that they want to pass with this reckless spending so we got to continue to find ways continue to push back against them continue to shine light on these type of topics so that way they continue to have if we continue to have all the spotlight on them when it comes to these 2022 midterms. We got a good shot of obviously stopping them from what they want to put in place, but also it keeps the spotlight on them when it goes to these elections and puts them, you know, all their mistakes and all their failures in the in the public eye of what uh, of these 22, 20, 2022 midterms that are coming up. So that's got to be our ultimate goal. That's what we got to continue to do. But that's all I got today for politics and when long today so i hope everybody listened and enjoyed the episode we'll have our college football preview and predictions episode this saturday at eight o'clock that'll come out so be looking for that we'll also have our preview and predictions article it'll be out friday at 10 a.m so be looking for that as well and you can find that article at therevolutionsports.com go on there and you can also find our social media links where you can get all the latest breaking news and updates and whatever goes on with that with any any type of news in sports and politics. So that's the best way to be able to get breaking news in that aspect. So if you do that, you'll be able to have plenty of information at your fingertips, and we'll obviously have more and more as we continue to grow. And uh, with that said, that's all we got for today, and I hope everyone has a great Thursday.